Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and I am so excited for this week's guest. She's a Lebanese-Palestinian TikTok creator with 1.6 million, million followers. Welcome to the show, Maya Abdullah. Hi, thank you so much for the warm welcome. I'm so, I'm like so excited to be here. I, so Maya and I just kind of virtually met recently and then I immediately adopted her as my niece. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Instantly. Instant. It had to be like that. It was I was like, you're my sister, baby yeah. sister slash niece now. And I, oh, trust me, I need it. It's like, yeah. Thank God. Uh, so for those of you who might not be familiar with you, you're originally from Georgia. You live in LA now. Yes. When did you move to LA? So I moved to LA uh, um, in March of 2021. Sorry, March of 2021. And yeah, I've been here ever since. Um, it's been an interesting, interesting transition for sure, to say the least. But it's been nice. I like LA a lot, actually. I love the weather and yeah, it's been fun. And so prior to that, you lived in Georgia your whole life. Yeah, born and raised in Georgia. Do you feel like there was like, uh, did you experience any culture shock moving from, from Georgia to LA? Well, actually, there's no Arabs in Georgia. I mean, now that I think about it, do I even know any Arabs in Georgia? I'm sure there are, but I don't know where they are. Yeah, there's like no, so it was... The shock that I is like finally meeting people that are also Arab and like seeing them out on a daily basis. Like that was my like, that was like the most shocking part. I was like, wow, other Arabs exist in the world. I'm like, growing up in Duluth, I was like the only Arab at my school. Oh my god. Yeah, there was like maybe like two other girls, maybe. And my school's huge. Um, That's actually like, it's crazy. Yeah, it's it was, but other than like you know that. Um, there's like a lot of like the people here are very different. You've yeah. been to LA, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to LA yeah. a few times. The people here are very um it's like a different vibe. It's it's very much kind of simultaneously like laid back while doing the most. Ex- exactly. It's like they think that they're so chill but they're like I'm not. But I, I like it. It's been it's been it's been cool. I have no complaints. Um, well, we'll get back to, we'll get back to living in LA, uh, later in the episode, but I want to talk a little bit about kind of like your TikTok career. Like, were you creating content at all on the internet prior to TikTok? So actually let's take it back. Okay. Let's go. Let's take it back to Vine. Let's go. Oh my God. You're on Vine. Okay. (laughs) I'm not like... R.I.P. Vine. I love Vine for up. I miss... Okay, so I had this idea. Vine was, like, popular when I was maybe in, like, fifth grade, right? Mm-hmm. And I had this idea that I was going to be, like, a Vine superstar, right? Okay. So I'm grinding on Vine, like, making, like... I'm, like, rolling out these videos that I think are so funny, right? And I was, like, doing... Oh, my God, this is crazy. I went through my Vine recently. I was doing Palestinian activism on Vine. I love it. I love fifth it. It's great. I was, like, watching, and I was, like, why was I so woke at literally 12? <laughs> That's so funny. But so then Vine died and I was like, there, there go my dreams. Um, I mean, I don't think I didn't even believe it. Like when people were saying like, oh yeah, Vine is getting shut down. I was like, this can't be real. I was sick. 
I was like, I didn't go to school for like a day. I like, it was like, I was so sick. I was so sad. I was like, there goes my dreams of being an influencer. Um, no, yeah. Then, like, I mean, it was, it was really, I just, I've never seen an app that was doing that well shut down like that before. Right. That was just such like a heartbreaking, like Flappy Bird got taken off the app store. Then Vine right after it. I was just like, I was so sick. But then I got to high school, whatever, obviously. It's like I let go of my dreams of being an yeah. influencer. Um, and then the, how I started TikTok is actually very funny. Uh, I was playing soccer at my high school, and my soccer team had like a, like a bet. And it was like whoever can get 10,000 likes on TikTok first, the team has to buy them dinner. And I was like, I'm going to win this competition. So we're all like – it was crazy. We're all trying to like win a stupid dinner. And I'm like, okay, I'm going crazy. I'm going crazy. I'm like posting every day, like just trying to beat my teammates. And then I had a video like right when our season ended and like summer started and our competition is off. The next day, one of my videos goes viral. Oh and then that's how it, yeah, that's how it all started. So what was so what was the first video that went viral? Um like what were you doing? Like what was okay. the context? So <laughs> I said, it's not very funny. It's um I had like a I had like a treehouse in my backyard. It's like a very rundown, like old treehouse, and I, um, I was like renovating it, and I was like, I was like um, putting the progress on TikTok of me renovating this this treehouse. I don't know. It was like that's so, so random. So, and it's like crazy. Like you'd see that, and like, how did that turn into this? Like, how did I? But also, like, so you started off by doing like home improvement videos. Yeah. Well, did you feel like you needed to keep doing that, or did you? Were you just like, "Fuck this"? No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do different stuff now. Well, I, I, it wasn't like my my account wasn't like home improvement. I was trying anything to get a viral video. Oh, so you had other videos already. Yeah, that wasn't okay. like my, no, 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 no. I was like grinding. I was like working. I was posting okay. myself, but it was like no one was interested. <laughs> and then I posted um, I posted uh, the home improvement video. And then that's what I guess it, it clicked. It clicked. Listen, yeah. people on TikTok are fucking weird, but. Weird. It was weird, but then it worked. And then like after the treehouse was done, I segued into listen you guys cannot get rid of me i had like 50k and i was like i'm not wasting this <laughs> no no 50k is like that's a lot at the time when tiktok first started yeah. 50k was like 10 mil i was like yeah. on top of the world i had a party for 50k with like my two friends Aww. it was so cute we made a cake so cute that is really cute i didn't even yeah, like celebrate that. 1 million but i'm celebrating 50k like it was like <laughs> i've never like, celebrated any number and i'm like should i be celebrating things yeah, is this something to no. celebrate no maybe i don't know i don't know i, I see people wrong i'm like the worst at <laughs> i see people with like with balloons and shit i'm like i mean yeah. i don't want balloons but i do like cake so yeah maybe flowers casual maybe maybe some no my cats will eat the flowers and then vomit yeah. everywhere and it's oh. Just... Oh. Reminding me. oh your cat's back home huh yeah i can't i can't wait to see her next week oh you're going home next week yeah going home i'm so excited so how often do you go home now that you've moved far away from your Literally parents? Literally never. Family? I think I last went home. Usually when I come home, though, it's like for two days. Then I have to come back for school or work. So it's yeah. like, even when I do come home, it's like not worth it. To, it's five hours on the plane just to go home for right. two days. Yeah, it's too much. But I try. So you have, I believe, like one brother. And like that's, that's yeah. it. It's just you and your brother. Yeah. Just us, yes. So what was it like growing up 
being kind of the only Arabs in your town, essentially, yeah, um, with you know Arab immigrant parents and really just one sibling. Were yeah. you guys like, were you like, uh, we're in this together, or were you just both doing your no. own thing? Well, me and my brother had a very different like high school. He kind of adopted like the frat. Mm. Mm-hmm. My, like I feel like his survival tactic was like Arab erasure. I think mine was too, honestly. The straight I mean, hair phase was very thick. We we all go through it. Yeah. The whole like I don't feel Arab enough to like be Arab. So like let yeah. me just be yes. let me just be white. It's horrible. And that's something that I feel like I still definitely go through now, especially in LA. Is like, am I allowed to be Arab in public? It's like it's like I'm confused. But growing up it was like we kind of I don't know, it was just like we we never really bonded well growing up, but I feel like now we're starting to like get it together, which is nice. So what's the age difference? So it's three years. Okay. So when I was a freshman, he was a senior. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And like did you feel like your close friends and people like who are closer to you, did they know like, oh, she's Arab? Like, was that something that you felt comfortable yes. like being open about? Yeah. So all my friends, like, uh, it was almost kind of like a thing where like my friends would come over and my parents would be like, you know, obviously very like openly Arab, obviously in their own home. And I'd be like, haha, like, it smells so weird in here. I wonder what they're making. So it's like, it was kind of like, like my close, close friends, like loved it. Like, you know, there, there were, um, I went to a very immigrant heavy high school. So a lot of them were also immigrants or like, cool. are um, like offspring of immigrants, but like first generation Americans. Yeah. First. Yeah. I don't know why I said offspring of immigrants. Yes. I mean, offspring good. of immigrants also <laughs> could be a, a cool band name. Ex- oh, let's start a band. It's time. Let's start a band called offspring Anyone of immigrants. Anyone listening wants to start a band. We're here. We can't, um, we can't play any instruments. Yeah, I don't know I if you can. can't sing. No, no, no. You knew. You knew. You knew I couldn't. <laughs> you already know. No Arab <laughs> kid knows how to play an instrument. Like, <laughs> our parents aren't like, I'm going to put you in music gonna, school. No, my mom was like, you're going to Elif Institute? That was the yeah. name of my Arab school. Elif Institute. I mean. Yep. I went to Muslim school. Not going to Muslim. You're not in what? Why? Why were you at a Muslim school? You're not. Neither of your listen, parents were Muslim. Listen, I don't. I don't have the answers. Just as like a prank, like your parents just wanted was, to confuse. Oh you. Oh my god, it was insane. They would teach us Quran, and I'd be sitting here like, "Yep, <laughs> yep." I feel like there's you, you, you might be Muslim more than some other Muslims. So no, literally, literally, you got a backup plan. Um, so, okay. So you wait, when did you go to this Quran school? I need to know more about this. Yeah. So I went to Quran school. I think it was like, uh, like third grade. I was like so young. I was in Quran. It was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. It was like the only Arab school in Georgia. It's like an hour from my house every Saturday. It was horrible though. I got kicked out actually. I literally got kicked out of Quran school. I feel like that's like, I feel like that says a lot about why my life is so in this I can trace it all back to getting kicked out of Muslim school at the age age seven. That's yeah. so funny, honestly, though, so. because I'm just like, I do remember every now and then seeing like a kid in like a Quran class or something who's like not Muslim. And I'm just like, yeah. how did you end up here? How did you? I, the Sheikh hated me. Like, what? Oh, the Sheikh definitely thought you were like a fucking heathen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, but I was, I was like, oh, something about me. My mom, actually, I had my mom on my podcast, like, like last week 
um, she literally talks about, I was the hardest child to raise. Like I was literally like a menace. Like I would, oh my God, I was like the worst. Like I would like, I just like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why I was so bad. I was such Listen, a bad kid. At least you were honest about who you were, unlike me, who was quietly demonic. It's, see, at least my parents knew. My parents really had they, no idea. Angel. Angel knew. Oh no. I, I was so good at like presenting as <laughs> angel baby, but like secretly just like pulling strings and making people do my fucking bidding while I just like sat back and like Literally. cackled and played with my Literally. Um, so, okay. So you, you live in Georgia, you're kind of, you know, not really surrounded by any Arabs. Yeah. So you moved to LA. Did yeah. you make Arab friends or were you just like meeting them or? Yeah, dude, there's so many Arabs in LA. So many. It's like crazy. Like I literally, I have never met, like, I didn't have a Palestinian friend in Georgia. I was telling you this, like, I didn't know any Palestinian people. There's so many Palestinians here. Like, it's freaking crazy. I was at, I was, oh my God, this is actually kind of sad. I was at school yesterday and um, this Arab guy comes up to me and we're talking and he, we're, we're chatting, whatever. And I start speaking to him in Arabic, right? And so he's like, he's like fog and he starts speaking back, whatever. We're like conversating. Then another Arab guy comes and he's like, oh, you're Arab, blah, blah, blah. So I start speaking to both of them. The guy says in front of me, he's like, yeah, she's Arab, but her Arabic sucks. Oh. <gasps> He said that to my. Th- I was literally sitting there like, yeah. I was like, about to. He's like, yeah. No, that's so rude. First that's of all, so mean. That's so a rude all, thing to say. All Arabs are like that. Like they all, even on TikTok, I get dragged for my Arabic. I'm like, how am I gonna get better if you guys won't let me? And also, like, it's not your first language. Let me let me hear you yeah. speak English. Can you imagine telling someone who English is not their first language? Like, dude, you suck at speaking you English. Suck. Actually, no. You want to know something crazy? Arabic was taught to me first, which is the saddest part. Wait, Arabic when was I, your when first I was language? Put, well, listen, when I was put into kindergarten in Georgia, they told my parents, like, if you keep speaking, like, they, they didn't, yeah, they don't support second languages. They're like, if you keep speaking Arabic to her, she's never going to catch on to English. And it, they were right, though. I, I couldn't read until, like, like, first grade. It was crazy. I'm like, I don't know how old kids are when they start reading, but that's yeah, that's fine. very that, like, that seems fine to me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like me being like a literally like illiterate in kindergarten. It was horrible, but yeah, sorry, I did know Arabic very fluently at one point in my life. <laughs> Poor, but you're fluent. You're like very fluent. I speak it pretty fluently, but I will say I did not feel comfortable speaking in Arabic until I was like somewhere around eight, 10, because yeah. people would make fun of me when I yeah. spoke Arabic because I sounded like a Valley girl speaking Arabic yeah. and it made me super self-conscious. But yeah. then my dad just made this decision in like 1998. <laughs> Never forget it. We had just moved. And he was like, from now on, I'm only speaking to you in Arabic. I wish I keep, I beg my parents. I'm like, stop speaking English. And I'm like, like, stop speaking English, please. And then it progressed because it went from I'm only speaking to you in Arabic to you can only speak to me in Arabic. Yeah. And that shit. And also shout that out to my be- parents watching Al Jazeera constantly. My vocabulary yeah. in Arabic is truly yeah. a product of Al Jazeera. 
I when I tra- I transferred high schools and I went to their library and that was the first time I saw like the physical. They had the the magazines. I saw. I was like, yeah, I saw them. I, was like, I didn't oh. even know they had magazines. They have magazines. They get delivered to my house in Arabic. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Wait, maybe I, I should get my dad a little subscription. Yeah, you should. He would love that. He would literally be like, yes, give me, give, give me my heroin. I need that fucking <laughs> bad news. I need to know who's suffering and dying. Your, dad, like, your dad's going to be listening this, to this like heroin? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> my, my dad, honestly, I've tried. He's been on my podcast, and I've tried explaining to him what a podcast is. I'm pretty sure no. he thinks it airs on a radio. My dad is obsessed with podcasts. Oh, my God. He was so cool. He's like, when is your broadcast starting? I'm like, Baba. P. They can't say P. Like, podcast. And, and you know bro. what? They don't have to. They don't I think P is stupid. I think someone, you get it. You get it. P is stupid. P is a stupid word. It's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. Um, so wait, speaking of your podcast, when is it launching? Because I know you've told me about it, but it's not out yet. It's la- I swear. It's like, it's so, stra- I'm like so scared to start a podcast. I'm like scared Why? to because it's like you want it to be perfect. No, and, it's never going to be perfect. And then what if what if I post it and people are like, "Fuck this, I'm not listening." Then like, I'm going to be so sad. Let me tell you something. First of all, it's probably not going to happen. But second of all, the more people that hate you, the better your engagement is, and that's exactly. what I will always say to everyone exactly. all the time. There's no such like, thing as bad publicity. No, it's honestly, especially when it's like in the digital space. Like, as long as they're listening, it doesn't matter if they're listening just to say like "fuck you," I hate you. At least, at least they're listening. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so let's fast forward. Let's talk about moving to LA. Did you move there and immediately move into a creator house? Was that yeah. your first? I hopped off the plane and into the, like literally I got off the plane and, and stepped foot into the house. What? Can you say what house it was? Yeah, it was, it's called the finesse house. Yeah. It's not okay. a secret. A lot of okay. people know. Yeah. Okay. So what, did you know the other creators who were going to live in the house yeah, prior? Picked, yeah, I picked them. Like most of them. I picked like I picked like half of them to be in the house. Oh, so you were like also like on the back end where yeah, you were like. Yeah. So basically, okay. I met with the CEO flashback to like October of 2020. Right. I came to LA. This is crazy. I came to LA to be in a Jubilee video. Mm-hmm. It was either Jubilee or Cut. I know I think it was Jubilee. And um, when I was here, my manager messaged the CEO because they were sending me PR. And, and he was like, oh, uh, Maya's in town. Do you want to get dinner? And they were like, yeah, let's go to Catch. I'm at Catch. I pitched them the idea just like randomly of starting a, uh, like a content house with like for fashion. Um, and then they were like, no, we don't know. That's like a lot right now for our company. I was like, okay. Like I just pitched it, whatever. Went home. Three months later, they called me and they're like, all right, who do you want? I was like, oh my God. Yeah. They're like, who do you want in it? And I picked. I mean, if that's not proof that you should just always shoot your shot, I don't know what yeah. it is. Yeah. And it's so crazy because if if we never emailed them like, hey, do you want to get dinner? This, Yeah, I wouldn't be here right now. I'd probably still be in Atlanta. So so you move here. You live in a creator house. You, yeah. you, you, know, you basically were the one with the idea to create it. You pick people yeah. to yeah. move in. Yeah. What was it like living in a home? How many creators are living in this home also? So there was 13. Oh, that's a lot of people. Yeah. There's 13 teenagers. Oh, wow. Influence. Teenage influencers. Oh, no. 
living in this house. Yeah. Just the tripods everywhere littered with tripods. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my, and like the, the, the camera crew, like people would like be filming stuff and it'd be like, yeah, it was insane. Crazy famous people in our house all the time. Um, it was interesting. It was. I'm like, I need, I, I'm going to need more than interesting. I'm going to need you to elaborate like on breaking what news. Everyone it. asks me like every, like every interview or like every like question I get is about like what happened at the finesse house. And I'm, I've been silent, radio silent. Until Are we about now. to get an exclusive? Are you about to get, okay. I won't. Okay. Okay. I won't say much, but I will say, okay. I will say, I think, you know how everything in your life is like either a lesson, a lesson, a lesson, or like a blessing, you know, I will say the finesse house was a lesson. I think I learned a lot about myself. You really don't know who you are until you're living with 13 influencers in a mansion in Bel Air. Oh my God. Madonna used to live in our mansion. Like it at, used to be her house. It was Madonna's house before. We so lived you lived there. in Madonna's house. Yeah. I lived in Madonna's house. Um, that's kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. That was insane. Um, yeah. It was a lot of drama, obviously, but I don't know why I expected it to be like no drama. You know, it's like, we literally all just graduated high school and we're all in this like mansion. They're buying everything for us. Like it was truly, but it also taught me a lot about what I, it taught me a lot about who I was, but it also taught me a lot of who I wasn't. I realized that I, I can't relate to this lifestyle of this influencer lifestyle. And it's not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just not me. And I think I was trying for so long to like force myself to be like, some, some, you know, LA influencer. And I'm, it's just, it's not me and I can't be around them. So when you moved out, were you like, fuck TikTok? Or were you like, I'm still trying to create, I just don't want to like live under these circumstances. So when I moved out, I was at a very vulnerable mental state because So I left before my contract ended, actually, very suddenly, in the middle of the night. I literally called an Uber. and In the middle of the night? Yeah. I called an Uber. I packed my bags, literally. I, I like went. I got my stuff, and I left. And I was – I had nowhere to live um, when I left because, obviously, my, my house is in L.A. So I, like, made the decision. I was like, okay, I can go home. I can go back to living with my parents, um, or I can just – see where this journey takes me. And it took, it took me, I, I moved, I moved in. Um, my manager let me live in his house. Very nice. Very nice manager. So, shout out to my manager. He let me live in his house for like two months. And for those two months, I was like, I need to get my shit together. And uh, I realized like, I, I can't be, I stopped making a certain type of content. And it's very obvious in, my engagement and in my videos and a lot of people have noticed um I I no longer like I I won't allow myself to um I won't allow myself to like create a character anymore because you know for so long like mayonnaise or like my my tiktok name like that was not me that was like a different character that I would play every day on the internet and um it was very hard being detached from that person. You know, it was very like embarrassing because I was oftentimes embarrassed because people would know Maya's, but they wouldn't know like Maya. And 
and they would see like these like over the top like like fishing content like baiting for views and likes and and um you know like like followers and then they didn't know that that's not me and like I couldn't explain it so then after leaving the house I was like I was like okay I'm never gonna do I'm never doing that again I'm never posting I'm never gonna be untrue on the internet it's just it's not worth it so what did you feel like that character like how would you describe that character that you played it was very like I was very like unhinged like I don't give a fuck. Like, no, like this is actually crazy. So I did, um, I did a line of videos about self-confidence that were very popular. Some of my most famous videos are about like, be a bad bitch. Fuck you. Like I am my, literally my most famous video. Am I allowed to cuss on here? Sorry. I never, you can cuss as much as you want. Fuck shit, bitch. Fuck shit, bitch. Exactly. My most viral video I think of all time is, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's literally a video where I'm like, um, I'm gonna fuck your dad and become your stepmom. I have seen it. I've seen it. And that that video sent me into like months long of like, like I spiraled for months, and like I, it it like it was like honestly like, that's not me. And and no matter and it's like I know that that's what they want and that's like what makes me viral and. I know that if I keep doing it, my TikTok will go back to how it was when I was getting like 2 million views each video, but that's, it's like not me. And I'm not like, it's like not worth my mental health to, to portray this character that was so ingenuine. Like I was on the internet being like, you're a bad bitch, fuck what anyone says. And then I would be the most insecure person at every party I went to. And it was just so ingenuine for me to to be doing that every single day. It's like, you kind of lose sight of like, like who you really are. And like, I, I couldn't like, I couldn't separate where like Maya ended and where my, my mayonnaise started. And it was just like, it blurred. And it was like, I truly, and it's like, sounds so dramatic when I'm saying it, but it's like when you're dedicating every single day of your life for two years to like a character that you're like ashamed of, it was just, it was too much. And so I, I quit that. I I decided like, I can't, I just can't, I'm not, I'm not willing to, um, to put on this like character anymore. And then my, my views tanked and now I'm just trying to post, I'm just trying to be genuine now on the internet. I'm trying to like be more like, um, be more me. And I think that that's a very wise decision to make. If I do say so myself only because, you know, I started creating online old, a little older than you. I was yeah. like in my 20s. Yeah. And I always was myself. Like I never yeah. played a character. And I didn't like – it wasn't even something that I like consciously decided to do. Yeah. Like it just – I just wanted to just be myself. And I'm really glad that I did that because I speak to other creators who have created – this entire persona that lives online and it's really hard to keep up with it, especially because like, you know, just as a human, you evolve. So your character should also, if it's supposed to be realistic, should naturally evolve. And it's, it's like weird to like fake grow versus just like actually growing. Like, and like, it's just, it's harder to keep up and like feel good about what you're putting out there because what you're putting out there is like 
not who you are. And also, especially if it's, you know, obviously there are people who do play a character online and that's what they're comfortable with because they don't want to share who they are. And one of the things that I really love about you, which I mentioned when we first spoke was that I love how vulnerable you allow yourself to be online. And I think that that's a trait that not many people have the ability to do. And so like, I'm really happy to hear that you're like, no, I'm just going to like lean into who I am and like share who I actually am. Because I think that's what like, that's what caught my attention about you. Like I, I, your other videos, I thought they were funny. I thought they were great. But like the videos that I really enjoyed were videos where you were very much so being yourself and being open and, and like, it's just really impressive to see someone like being that comfortable being vulnerable online. And it's something that I try to push myself to do more, obviously, like within reason, but that's why I started my pod. That's one of the reasons I started a podcast because I want to be able to share myself and a part of sharing yourself is being vulnerable and, and, you know, realizing that I'm putting myself out there as I am and people are either going to like it or they're not going to like it. And if they don't like it, then they just don't like me, not a character, me. And, it was so weird because I was getting so much love to a person that wasn't me. And it it almost like makes you more isolated. It's like, you love this version of myself that I've created for your consumption. And I will never be her truly. And it made me feel like I myself wasn't enough if I wasn't portraying. And it was also like, when I also, when I moved here, you know, there's a lot of creators that do like positivity and like a very famous creator that I don't, I don't name drop. I, I, I just feel bad. I, I know like, I, I feel bad just calling people out. So I won't say her name, but there was this one creator who's literally one of the most famous creators for being like positive and like amazing. And like, she's so nice to everyone. And that's her whole brand online is like being like a light in the darkness of social media. And I meet her in person and I'm ready to have like the most genuine, like heart to heart conversation. Truly one of the rudest people I've ever had in encounter. Oh, that's so disappointing. And it's like, I don't want to live in this world where you can be online pretending to love people for your personal gain. And then I meet you in real life and you're just the worst. And I don't want to feed into that. And I was like, I had to like ask myself, like, is it worth it? Is it worth it for me to, to to feed into this culture of being so ingenuine that like you're unapproachable. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's really not. And I also just think that like, again, this is just my opinion, but I think that people are looking for something that feels real when they're online because they want to see themselves in whatever creator they're consuming. And like, if you're being yourself, it's more likely to resonate with people versus playing a fictional character who isn't really who you are and mm-hmm. probably isn't who too many other people are and anyone who else, anyone else who I, I will say that the whole like being a bad bitch, not giving a fuck thing. I did learn in life that when girls say that it's usually not. And, it's, and also the, the craziest, and this is something like on my journey, I'm realizing it's like, I was the number one I was like the first person on TikTok to, to implement the mentality. Like you're a bad bitch. Like get your money. Like, Really, like, honestly, I, it was like early 2019 where I was on TikTok. Like, you're, you're one of the bitch. first people I followed on TikTok, just yeah, like in thank general. You. Yeah. Love to have you here. But yeah, it was like I was the first one that kind of started this, like, like got the ball rolling on this. And then at, through my journey, I've realized like, that is not a healthy mindset. 
Like, you don't, like, I was, like, for so long, like, every time something would go wrong, I'd be like, fuck it, like, who fucking cares? I'm a bad bitch. Like, no, like, that will build up in you and manifest in you so deeply that, like, like, you will explode. And I did explode. Um, and also, another thing is, like, as I've kind of transitioned, like, out of that kind of content, you know, I've lost a lot of followers, like, almost 100,000. Wow. Um, because, you know, people only followed me for that character, and I'm not her anymore, and I guess, which is fine, they, they left, but... Um, I get a lot of comments like, um, you fell off or like you, you aren't, um, but I'm kind of starting to realize like, I don't want to be known for that. And I think it's okay if those kind of people like transition out of my life and the new are coming. And like, I, I posted recently about my, um, my struggle with mental health and BPD, borderline personality disorder. And, um, you know, I was getting a lot of hate comments, like, why would you post this? Why would you do that? But there's also a lot of people that said, like, you know, I needed to see someone talk about this online because I was so ashamed. And I thought that I was so alone in this struggle with mental illness. And it's like, for them to see someone that they look up to also struggle in the way that they do, I think it's really important. No, I a thousand percent. And I think that that is the type of content that is meaningful and like you can yeah. feel good about it and like also like the people who leave negative tiktok comments and i've told you this it, yeah. they're all 12 they're all yeah, 12 years old like literally without a doubt in my mind they're all in middle school or elementary school because the whole like you fell off thing like no respectable adult human being would, would, is saying that would leave that comment it's if they either, do, my, my hate comments are either like 12 year olds or it's like grown arab men Oh, of course. Same. Yeah, it's like same. No, we have the same no, hate group. You know, you know what's you know what I was thinking about. That's actually hilarious. We get hate for the same thing, mm-hmm. and you literally wear hijab. Yeah, I literally wear hijab. I, I feel like, and it's like it's like that's if that's not proof that we can never win. No, we. There is literally, ladies. If there are any Arab women listening to this, you will never win. So just do whatever you want. Like you. Will, like, Period. you get the same comments and you literally dress head to toe and I'm literally naked. on. So it's like, it's not even, I realized when looking through like your hate, which you don't really, I didn't see much. Oh, uh, I I have all of my comments filtered yeah. on Instagram. So you, yeah. won't, you won't see it on Instagram because I, I have so many words blocked yeah. and phrases and so many accounts restricted. Yeah. But on TikTok, yeah. on TikTok, I will say don't, Mm, I've had gotten a few hateful hijab comments, but uh, more so on TikTok, it's just like you're rich, and like must be nice to be rich. Must be nice. To be really? Rich. I'm like, I'm not rich. I wish I was rich. I would love to be rich. Love that you think that I'm rich. Um, that's like an interesting. I've never gotten hate for that. I'm just an adult, <laughs> so that's the difference. Though. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because I'm wow. because I'm an adult. Like I do you're have a woman. A lot of. Things that make wow. and all of these teenage have. girls are like are like oh you're rich it's like no babe I make my own money and I've also just existed on the earth for like double the amount of time <laughs> that you have so like I've accumulated <laughs> some things in that time and one day you'll get a job too and you'll have real adult money to buy things um, and you're not you know buying things with you know your allowance so that <laughs> that does that does make a difference and if if that's where the bar is and i've noticed it's it's the this new on thing on tiktok where even that girl the girl the salmon fucking bowl girl what the fuck is her name emily why did she get so much hate 
And all of her hate comments are like, must be nice to be rich. Must be nice to be rich. Like, I'm like, bro, she's making salmon and rice. That's like a $10 meal. But also, like, it's very clear that she's had a career for several years. Yeah. And she's good at what she does. So, like, wh- why wouldn't she have I money? I also hate this, like, notion that, like, whenever a woman is, like, successful on the internet, like, all, like, the younger women, like, decide that this is the now the time to attack her openly. It's like, babe, you're setting us back. <laughs> this, this is this is what they want like this oh no not- no this is literally exactly what they want and, and it's, yes. i will say most of the negative comments i get on tiktok specifically are from women which I not to get into the not to get into the feminist ramble but we, we were talking in my women's study class and i i said this and my teacher was like queen i said um the biggest victory of misogyny was convincing women that there's only room for one successful woman woman on the scheme like the pyramid of successful women and that we must fight each other for this one seat at the table no there's many seats we need to fight for a new table and also why if you use your brain not you but like if 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 these people would use their brain and think why would me, Nur al-Khaldi's success, do anything to you anything. or affect your life in any way, shape, it's or like, form? like, babe, you're, you're living in Wisconsin. I, I don't my actions or inactions do not negatively impact you at in any all. way. At all. Like, this has nothing. And it's so, so, but it's also like, they'll learn. Like, when, when they grow, like, whenever I see hate comments from, like, younger women, I'm like, just give me three years and you're going to be like, damn why was I doing that that's what I'm saying it's like these are very very young kids who think that they they have an understanding of real life um which to a degree maybe they do but there's there's obviously limitations to how much they know and how much they've experienced and so they're basing it off of their very limited life experience and so to them I'm really rich because I can pay rent in my own apartment and I can furnish it and um, I can buy nice things. And yeah. they're like, yeah, that's wealth. That's wealth. And to, them, and to them, that's like, it's okay. They'll learn. When they when they start making their own money, they're going to be like, why did I comment that on her TikTok? And also one day they'll realize, because there's this whole other thing. It's like, oh, she's just like a privileged influencer. Like, it's like, no. <laughs> I'm not, you know, maybe if I was a, a white woman, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But I'm like, do you think that brands are like, you know who I'm dying to work with? I'm just dying to work with this hijabi Muslim girl in her 30s. I'm dying to work with her. She is who we want. Like, what the fuck? No. No one is dying for me. Like, yeah, I get deals. I get work. But like, these famous, extremely billion dollar companies will hit my management and they'll be like, yeah, we want a creator. And I'm like, one of the highest performing creators. And they'll send me and they'll be like, hmm. Do you have anything more our style? What the fuck does that mean? What is your style? White women? Say it. And also, like, I think that when brands want to work with an influencer, it's their responsibility to vet that influencer and see, okay, this is the type of content she creates. Why would I expect her to create something that's different than what she fucking creates? Yeah. 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 Like, oh, I can't. That's also why I'm, like, kind of not – it's just, like, I'm done – it's like not my, I'm not passionate about it anymore, honestly. I'm not passionate about influencing. It's it's not what it used to be and I and I think um I think I'm ready to segue into the next era of my life, which is like sad. But. What do you think the next era of your life looks like? 
I want to, I really think that I'm going to start acting. I'm like trying, I'm like trying really hard. It's like, I, I did like a little um, kid, like children's show. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, Good Luck Have Fun on Brat TV. If anyone wants to check it out. <laughs> um, and I liked that. And I really liked that. And I, and I think that's where my next step will be. Hopefully. And I think that makes sense for inshallah. you because you started, inshallah, you started your career kind of by playing a character yeah, and you were exactly. really, and you were really good at playing that character so much so that people believed it's exactly. who you were. And I think what I love about acting and what I'm excited for is I'm ex- so excited to play a character that the audience knows isn't me. Yeah. And it's, I'm so excited to allow myself to truly be someone else without the notion that I'm connected to that character. And that's what I'm like, so excited for. I mean, I'm excited for you. I think that it's truly like a great move for you to make, but do you think that you'll completely, are you going to keep posting on TikTok? Because I I do think you, your TikToks are, and I mean, even the one that you shared about having borderline personality disorder, Mm -hmm. like, it's such an important conversation to have, especially exactly. being a young woman yourself, where I know that it it is something that is important, lives on the internet so that people can access it. So you're going to keep creating to a certain degree online. Exactly. And I will never, I think it'll always be a part of me. And I don't think I would ever kill that part of me because there's no reason to. I think, I think uh, um, always having that, um, platform will be nice but it's definitely never going to be like the most interesting thing about me again um or the most prominent thing about me I just I don't want to be known for what I am not yeah anymore yeah and I I definitely I mean yeah I would hate that so I I feel yeah. that like a thousand yeah. percent like I only want people yeah. to know me for who I am as I am but um so I do, if you, if you do feel comfortable talking about it, I want to talk about like, were you diagnosed recently with BPD or is yeah. that something? Okay. okay. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. So we all know that the American healthcare system Terrible. is literally the worst. Um, but I knew there was, I always knew there was something that was like off and I never knew what it was. So I would. I would always struggle and I would always like, I thought I had bipolar disorder for a while. Um, those are often mistaken, BPD and BD, like bipolar disorder. Um, so I thought I had bipolar disorder for a while because I was having these like really deep mood swings. Um, but I, I did not, I, my psychiatrist did not check me for bipolar disorder. She didn't like check physically. She didn't um, tell me that I had bipolar disorder. She crossed that off. And then I thought, you know, they just said, they kept saying, like, oh, it's just a bad depression, bad depression. But it's like, I knew there was something off. Like, I was having these, like, um, like, I couldn't control my anger in a way that was, like, when I would get angry, I would switch, like, almost, like, I couldn't, like, I, my morals would literally leave. Like, I would say things and do things that morally... I know is incorrect, but physically I could not not do. And then after um, leaving the house, I had a major, <laughs> a major like um, episode 
And I was like, okay, like this is, there's something seriously wrong. So I went to see a new psychiatrist and she was like, okay, we're going to monitor you for um, BPD. And I was like, okay. And then it turns out that I, that, that was it pretty much. But there's no, like, there's no medication. There's no uh, cure. It's not well, it's, like a, it's, it's behavioral. So it's like, be, exactly. It's exactly. So, so it's like, some, are you in therapy right now? Yes. Okay. St- oh, therapy saved my life. I would be dead right now for sure if I didn't go to therapy. Oh my God. That's amazing. I'm so glad yeah. that you decided to like be proactive about it. How long yeah. have you been in therapy and for? Like many um, Middle Eastern parents, my parents were very anti-therapy for my whole life. And I knew I needed therapy from like a young age, but yeah, therapy saved my life. That so was very nice. Um, so yeah, I went to therapy. I, um, I meditate now. I don't know. It's like, it's like, I'm so much better at managing. And it's also like picking your battles. Like I know I don't, I can't handle like extremely large social situations. I, sorry. I know I can't handle, um, like, uh, getting blackout drunk. I know I can't handle like, you know, it's just like, it's to an extent where I was like enabling myself and I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. So I, I don't know. We made a plan and I stuck to that plan and now I'm, but it's also like, there are still hard days, you know? Oh, of course. Because it's, it's something that you, um, it's, it's because it's behavioral and like any behavior, like I pick my cuticles. I can't just like stop picking my cuticles and like, I have to make a conscious effort. And I mean, I'm not saying that these are the same things, but you know, just, no, I know it's, it's like, it's really hard to change behavior. It's like the difference is like now when I'm having an episode, my mind doesn't immediately go to like, I'm going to kill myself. My mind goes to, I will feel better tomorrow. I need to manage today. Yeah, I will. If I do these things, I'll feel better tomorrow. And that, like, I was, I was having like a bad episode the other day. I was like crying. It was like really late, and like, I was like, and like, you know, for a moment, my mind went to that place of like, my life sucks. I'm never gonna get better. And mental illness has a way of tricking you into thinking your whole life has been hell. And it's like I'm replaying every moment where it's just been awful and horrible. And then I'm like, wait, no, no, no. We unlearn this. We know this is wrong. What, what can we do? How do we make this better? And that's like the most important part. It's like, it's like finding that, that little inch. It's like finding that little crumb of your mind that knows that this is wrong and then grabbing it and pulling it until you can surround yourself with it. And, and that's another thing that I feel like TikTok is romanticizing. It's like being so out of your mind, crazy and, and, and being so depressed that you want to, it's like, no, you don't have to be like that forever. Like as like, Depression is so comforting as someone who was depressed for like five years of my life that I feel like I've literally gone to depression. It's like, that is not how I want to, like, you do not want to be in that place. And I feel like, like a lot of people with these mental illnesses, undiagnosed mental illnesses will go on TikTok and will be like, almost like selling the idea that, that being depressed is like almost better they 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 make it seem like it's an aesthetic. Exactly, and it's it's not. It's like it's 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 horrible. It's truly it's like it's like life altering and it's something that like it's not something that you want to be forever. And I think when I was like a young teenager, I thought that like this is what I want to do. I want to I want to be depressed. It's like so it's so aesthetic to be like so sick and so depressed all the time and crying at school. It's like no, that's like 
that's not how I wanted to live anymore. And it's so crazy that that was something that was like cool when you were younger because it's something yeah. that was cool when I was younger, meaning it's that cool this is like a thing. Like I yeah. just remember like Tumblr was like before, yeah. they, before they started like kind of moderating it, uh, trigger warning, there was a lot of photos of yeah. people cutting themselves, a lot of girls with very yeah. obvious eating disorders and anorexia nervosa. Yes. And it was very much so romanticized and made to be this like cool girl trait to, to have a mental illness. And I'm like, and it's, and who, you know, it's so who crazy. gets a PR for mental illness? I need to get them on my team because right? truly Tumblr, when it got moderated, we were good. There was nothing like to the extent of how bad Tumblr was for a while. And now TikTok is bringing it back. And it's like, I don't want them to get to a point where they're like the younger generation where this is consuming their life because it truly consumed me for years. Um, I have um, PTSD as well, CPTSD also. Um, and that consu- like consumed my life for so long. And it's like, you know, my trauma is not the most interesting thing about me. It's not the most important part of my life. And I will not allow that to be like the dictator of my life. You know, you for anyone listening that feels like, um, like they've, like they're, they're going to be stuck forever in this, in this world where they're just dictated by what happened to them. Like you are not what happened to you at all. Like you, you have the ability to escape, um, the limitation of mental illness. And I think, I think that's something that I really want to, that's something that's going to be like the main topic of my podcast is like, you don't have to be like this forever. Like, like, I love Emma Chamberlain. I don't think she does this on purpose, but people love the fact that she's depressed and that she's in her house all the time and, and that she never leaves her house. And it's like, she's sad. Like she's unwell. But I also, I'm going to be honest with you. I watched Emma Chamberlain and I've watched mm-hmm. her for a long time. And also like, I'm a counselor. Like that's what I did for like seven and a half years. Really? So like, yeah. So I'm like, that's why I'm like, no, no. Like everything you're saying, I'm like, this is, this is what I literally fucking studied. But That's crazy. Can I just say, I don't think she stays at home because she's depressed. I think she stays at home because she's just a more introverted person. Well, yeah, I can agree on that. That's the way. I think people do really like to like turn it into like, oh my God, she's depressed. And it's like this cool aesthetic. Exactly. I don't think that's what she's trying to do at all. I think she just like likes being at home. And I think they love, I think they love the idea that like, she's just this like gorgeous girl locked in her house, like harrowing her life away. It's like, no, that's not like something we should be striving towards. And like, also it's like, you need to, again, coming back to like being who you are, like, is that who you are? Are you a homebody? I love staying at home. I can stay at home and not interact with anyone for a full week. I don't struggle with depression. It's not like an anxiety response. It's just... I like to be alone. I feel really exhausted Amen. by being around a lot of people for an extended period of time. And and that's okay. But like some people don't like that. Some people love to be around other people. Sometimes people feel energized yeah. by surrounding themselves with people. So it's more so like, okay, does that make sense for who you are? And, yeah. you know, just like going back to you were talking kind of about when you find yourself in a dark place and pulling yourself out. The things you said apply to people regardless of whether or not they have mental illness or not. Because 
That's what I do. Exactly. Like that, I have healthy coping mechanisms. And when I feel sad, I let myself feel sad within reason. Yeah. I let myself experience the emotion. I let myself validate my own feelings. And then within a reasonable time, I'm like, okay, I can either go do something to decompress and I have my go-to coping mechanisms. Like I like to do yoga. I like to take a bath. I like to clean or I can go into problem solving and strategizing and be like, okay, how can I remedy this situation or how can I make things better? And also, and the most important thing is do not let your mind because mental illness or not, your mind is fucking evil. But at the end of the day, you, I mean, some people do have a chemical imbalance, but if you, if you don't, you can really control the way you think about things and genuinely, truly like, when your mind starts going to these dark places of like everything in my life sucks, I have nothing to be grateful for. Yeah. Just take us take a three deep breaths and yeah. be like, actually, wait, what are some things in my life that I am grateful for? And you will have a very long list. You will have a long list because I think regardless of your life, there's always something to feel grateful for. And the reason I know this to be true is I have family, lots of family who lives in Gaza, which is literally hell on earth. And they still feel a lot of gratitude in their lives. And so I just really think that it's about developing really good coping mechanisms that work for you. And everyone is so different. I think everyone is just looking for an answer. They just want a solution, but it's, And that's why therapy is so important because in therapy, you can like find out, okay, what are the tools that I have? What are the skills? What are my strengths? And and how can I use those? Even if you don't think that you need um, mental health, everyone has, you can improve. Are you in therapy? Um, I'm not currently in therapy, but that's just because number one, finding a therapist is very difficult. Um, And number two, my health insurance the therapies in my net therapists in my network are fucking terrible. Yeah. But um, ever since I moved to New York, it is one of the things on top of my list yeah. to try to hopefully New York has better therapy options yeah. than Florida. I'm also very particular about, worst. about the type of therapy I want. I want to do cognitive therapy. I, I think that that's what works best for most people. And I think would work best for me. So like, I'm also very particular. I also want it to be a woman. I want it to be a woman of color. I want her to be within the age range of late thirties to early fifties. Oh no. Like I have my criteria. I know exactly what I'm looking for. You know what you want. That's all that matters. Yeah. And so, but wait, how did you find your therapist? Dude, I, I haven't found one in LA still. Okay, so your therapist is still in Georgia. It's in, she's in Georgia, and I can only talk to her when I go home because they can't do out of state. Oh. So it's like so awful. But I'm about to go see her next week. I'm so lit for that. Once I was like going through it, and I was literally gonna fly home to Georgia just to talk to my therapist. But I was like, let's not do that. Should have though. Wait, does she not do like remote sessions? So it's on Teladoc. It's like online, but she, they can't practice outside of their state. Like none of them. They're not allowed. Damn. Yeah. But it's okay. I'm, I've tried therapists here. They just suck. Like, they're so horrible. And and it's, yeah, that's why it's it's one of those things where it it's a little bit easier to find a therapist if you know what you're looking for. But even, even with that, like, the options. Yeah. And that's the thing. A good therapist is probably fully booked for fucking yeah. care. Yeah, not to Literally. not to discourage people, but then there's always like things like uh, talk therapy, 
through all these apps, you know, I'm not even going to bother plugging them because you guys know what the fuck they are, but like through apps or whatever. And I've heard really great experiences. I just am the type of person who does prefer face to face. Um, Yeah. So that's just something else that I also feel like is my criteria. Like I don't want to do it remotely. I want to be face to face with the person. I want to take time out of my day to, you know, commute to therapy. And like, I want that to be a part of my therapy. The commute to therapy for me is a part, like I want to remove myself from my environment and go to yeah. a different place yeah. because I am very oh, much never affected like by that. my environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I'm like, listen, I'm like, we can, I should make like a therapist checklist uh, of, of yeah. things to consider when looking for a you therapist. I'm going to like finding, uh, follow me around as I find a therapist. Vlog, find a therapist. That's hilarious. Finding a therapist as a 32 year old Palestinian woman. So relatable. Get ready with me. <laughs> Get ready with me, with me for finding a therapist. I, I didn't that know you were a counselor. Is. Yeah. Like, were you, were you, what kind of counseling? So I was, I did, I was a school counselor for like a year and a half. And then I was a domestic violence and sex crimes counselor for five years. And then, um, I started doing, um, part-time, uh, counseling at a school and I still do a few remote sessions here and there at that school. You are literally Wonder Woman. If she wasn't an IDF soldier, you are literally... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm dead i mean honestly fuck the idf and fuck wonder woman and whatever whatever the oh, fuck her name is we were discussing it in my film class and i was like maya you haven't they were like maya you haven't seen it and i was like i will never see it oh no and Look not now Godot, if you're watching this suck my dick she, i mean idf is definitely tuning in idf is definitely i am oh, on whatever watch i'm 100 banned from palestine like what Hey, IDF, fuck you. <laughs> hey, IDF, if you hear this, oh my God, wait, wait, wait. Can I tell you a quick story? Please. What happened to me when I was in Palestine? Please, please, please. Let me tell you what happened to me when I was in Palestine because yes. this is fucking crazy. Okay, I've also never talked about this. They've been begging me to make a video about this and I'm like, I am not ready. You're but like, I feel I'm going like to save it is- for the end of the episode for the real ones who listen to the end. So I'm in Palestine. I'm 12 years old. American girl. Like, American girl to the core. Like, you can tell. I'm a little American girl. Um, we go to the checkpoint. They fucking interrogate us for hours. Because our last name, obviously, is Abdullah. They're like, why are you coming into our country? I'm like, babe, whatever. They make me go in a separate room, and they interrogate me. Right? I don't know why. Without my parents. I was a very shy kid, too. So I was, like, very nervous, Right? They're interrogating me, whatever. So then they hand me my passport and they hand me the visa in my passport. And they don't tell me what the visa is, right? It's like just a little piece of paper. It's like so small. It's like this big. So they give it to me, right? I'm And so they make me like walk and they make me stand in like a holding area. So I'm in the holding area and I drop the visa. It just falls out of my passport. Like so small, it just slips out. So I didn't know. I didn't even know what it was. So I, I like, whatever. I'm going throughout my... We go, we're vibing, we're in Palestine for like months. So I'm in Palestine, whatever. And then one day, me, my mom, and my brother, we get on the bus and we're going to Tel Aviv. So we're going, we get to the big checkpoint in the middle, okay? We're all on the bus. Me, my mom, my brother, we're sitting in the back. They get, 
the fucking soldiers get on the bus. And keep in mind, we're two hours out from Ramallah. Like, we're far. Um, and we're in the middle of literal nowhere. Like, literally middle of nowhere. They come, whatever, the soldiers, they come on the bus and they're checking everyone. And they come on the bus with their AK-47s, like little huge guns. He comes, he comes to the back and he's like, he's like, asks me in English. He's like, okay, everyone give me your passports. Or he asks in Hebrew or something and my mom speaks English to him. And so um, we hand them our passports. Three American passports. My mom, my brother, me, we all have American passports. They both have their visas. He looks, my visa is not on there, right? He's like, where's her visa? And, and my mom is like, oh, she dropped it. She's only like 12. Like, I'm sorry. Like, but she's American. She doesn't even speak Arabic. Like, it's, she's fine. And he's like, you're, you're just a dirty Arab trying to sneak into our country. Get the fuck off the bus. What? Yeah. And, and, and we're in the middle of nowhere. And my mom was like, please, like, my, these are my two kids. And I was small. I was, like, so little. And my mom's like, begging him, like, please, like, we, how are we? There's no way back. Like, like, there's no service. We have American SIM cards. Like, there's no way to get home. And my mom is like, like, begging this man, like, please, please, please. He grabs me, pulls me up, throws me off the bus. Throws like, me. What the fuck? Throws me off the bus, right? So me, my mom, my brother were out of the bus. And then they leave. And we're literally in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like freaking out. I'm like crying. I'm so scared. Cause he just put an AK 47 in my face. I'm like shaking, like so terrifying. And I, I'm mean, really, I would be terrified right now if someone did that to me, let alone literally, as a and I'm 12 year old. And I, and I'm like so afraid and I'm like, so like, um, I'm so scared that we're going to like get in more trouble because we're still at the checkpoint. Like there's nowhere to leave. So for everyone who gets like kicked out of Tel Aviv, there's like a line. And so you have to wait in this line to get back in. The line is like five hours. And it's just like grandmas, like tetas and jiddos, like waiting in this line. That's like, just so get, sad. Just to ask to get back in. And sometimes they'll ask and they'll say no. So my mom's like, fuck that. No, we get a taxi and we just go home. But yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I wish I could say that's like the first time I've heard a story like no. that. It's, it's not. That's like a super common it happens so much thing and like how do you feel like that impacted you as a 12 year old like you did you learned, understand like what was going on I think that was the first time that I realized that there's like real evil and there's like people have the ability to justify violence in a way that is so disgusting like where they like dehumanize a child humanizing and i'm american i was speaking english imagine how it is for the arabs that were speaking arabic no yeah so that's what i'm saying and they they also like it doesn't matter if you're american because to them you're still like a dirty a dirty arab exactly. and in fact i feel like they are less inclined to want Palestinian Americans to go there because they yeah. don't want an American casualty. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just the way that they, the way that they treat you, like you're not even human. It's like, it's just so sick. It's like, I'm, I'm so little. I'm little now. I was like, probably like, like 50 pounds. And this man threw me to the ground with his hands. He picked up a little girl and threw me. It's like, is this, is this what you consider humane? Well, no, and it's actually, it's a part of their training yeah. is to dehumanize 
Palestinians and to treat them like they're not humans. And that's why IDF soldiers are psychotic because they're fucking brainwashed into like from a young age. Have you seen the videos of them? Like literally in elementary school, like treat treat like teaching them that Arabs are like terrorists. And they also don't teach them anything about like the history of like, yeah, what really happened. Like it's not allowed. We had an IDF soldier come to my high school to give a talk and Sorry, I know we're going way over. Wait, like a motivational talk or like what kind of talk? Yeah, they had three ID. So I transferred high schools. I went from the my old high school to a new high school that was like majority. Um, it was like had a very high Jewish population at my yeah. new high school. Um, they they brought in three IDF soldiers to give a talk, right? And I I went to this to this talk because I was like, okay, like I'm trying to be more like um like open to this uh whatever. I thought maybe they would say something of value i went you wanted to give them a chance to not give them a chance exactly and so i go and i'm the only arab girl in there and um this guy he's like the troop leader of like their like the he's like the sergeant or whatever of their troop right and he 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 starts telling us this sob story and he like starts like like really getting emotional right and he's talking about it and i think he's about to tell me like something crazy and he tells me he goes it was so hard for me. The hardest thing, they asked him, what was the hardest thing like you had to do as a sergeant? He said, the hardest thing we had to do, I had to approve my troop to kill seven children because it was reported that the Palestinian children had a bomb. They killed seven children and he was tearing up talking about it as if he, he suffered. Like he's like a fucking hero. And he, he told me he killed these seven kids because someone had um, called a report that they had a bomb. And they went after a check. They Let me just also stuff. say, no one probably filed any report. They probably were just like, fuck these yeah. kids, let's kill them. Yeah, and he was telling me, like, they were literal ch- literal children. Like, he was telling me they were, like, five years old. And he said they were playing with something, and it, it, it like, looked like a bomb, right? They went over to, to, um, to see. All the kids were dead, like, seven of them. Went over to see. It was a clock radio. First of all, Anything that Palestinian children play with, quote unquote, looks like a bomb. And this is exactly why when my mom talks about her childhood and she'll be like, oh, we used to play this game. Like, they didn't have toys. They They didn't. They didn't. Of course they're playing with it. In, they don't. They still don't have toys. Like they're they're playing with anything that they can fucking in, find. In Gaza, like of course they're playing with a fucking clock radio, bro. You guys don't give them any fucking toys. Like yeah, you guys control what comes in and out, so you know damn well there's no toys. And this man, I just watched him up there tearing up about him, and it wasn't even that he was sad he killed children. He was like feeling like so hard to do my job. I mean, that's truly disgusting, and. Not even a surprise to me. I mean, the thing is, is like, and that's what the IDF does. And that's what the Zionist regime does is they go find young, susceptible Jewish people. And they say like, hey, do you want to, do you want to come to Israel for free for a 10 day long vacation? It'll be fun. And this isn't propaganda at all. Because, and I've said this before, but just imagine for, for a moment, well, just imagine if Saudi Arabia started yeah. inviting Muslim people for yeah. free to come to Saudi Arabia to make pilgrimage. I've never even fucking thought of that. How sus would that be? I oh would think God. that it was fucking sus. I'd be like, well, you're doing this Why? for what? And, oh my God, when they got, um, this was 2019, they got Demi Lovato. 
to the, did you see that? I mean, it's, it rings a bell in my mind, but also Demi Lovato to me is like the like, worst. She is. I don't hate celebrities. I'm not the they type of person. They but yeah. like, oh, well, they are super fucking annoying. Yeah, the worst. No, no, no. Listen, listen. They, 2019, I remember like it was yesterday. They went to Israel, right? Not even Israeli. They're not Jewish. Nothing. They went to Israel and they posted like 20 times on Instagram, like how Israel is for the Israelis and how like the, 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 Jerusalem River or something, some shit like was was made by the blah blah blah, basically propaganda. And then when they got called out for it by every fucking Palestinian person ever, they were like, "This wasn't propaganda. I didn't get paid." And then it was public information that they paid her like seven hundred thousand to go do that. I mean, yeah, celebrities are and influencers are paid all the time to go to so, Israel. I mean, TikTok just no matter how many times I click, not interested. Not interested. They put it on my fucking for you page, like. Leave me the fuck alone. And also, like... Do you it, know how triggering that is? Like, actually... It's so triggering, but it is also just a constant reminder that this is how they get you. This is how they oh. get you to move to Israel because even if you don't want to join the IDF, if you live in Israel, you have to. Yeah, you literally you have to. don't have a choice. You literally have to. So, um, sounds like a lot of freedom to me. That's my favorite thing when people are like, oh my God, like we're just so free in Israel. It's like, yeah, you literally are forced yeah, you're to forced join. You're forced to be in the army. Like at the age of <laughs> like the army 16. People. Yeah, that's nuts. And then they make them live in like barracks. Oh, fuck no. Yeah, no, fuck Israel. I mean, that's that's always the theme of every episode. We're banned of for sure. Like, we're not getting let back in. I mean, I'll go if I want to. They can't stop me. Yeah. We'll find like, a way, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, if I want to go, I'll go. So that they can – I'm like, listen, I'm like, I, I know that they are trying real hard to stop people from coming in and out, but – I yeah. also know that um, I'm smarter than them, and yeah, and when intelligence. There's a, way, there's a way. Intelligence will always, always prevail. over. Prevail. It'll always prevail. Exactly. Um, I love. I love that there was like a little bit of like anti-Zionism just in the in the mix because literally one of the first things I said to Maya was I was like, when I found you on TikTok, I was so excited that there was like a yeah. funny TikTok creator who is Palestinian. And so I, I feel like it makes sense for us to to share our, our mutual hatred of the Zionist yeah, regime. Finally, I oh my god, I fucking hate. Yeah, I don't know, but my you know my mom can't even talk about it. I brought her on my podcast to talk about it, and she couldn't. She couldn't get it out. Oh no, it's it's really difficult. I mean, my mom talked about it after like basically begging her for two years. Yeah, they can't even talk about it. It's like it's who knows they don't want to relive that trauma. They don't want to have to think about it. I'm sure they've put it somewhere in their mind. Again, like I said, your mind is very powerful and you can control it and you can compartmentalize traumatic feelings um, that you just simply, it's, it's also like a response that your brain does when you are in a very stressful situation where sometimes you're not even consciously compartmentalizing it. it. But you you just repress it. That's your body's self-defense response is to repress memories, emotions, feelings. Like your body is like in fight or flight trying to protect you. And it'll just be like, okay, well, we're just going to – we're just not going to think about this and not going to deal about this. And we're just going to forget that this happened, which is – I mean – It's so sad. It's it's honestly – it's so sad, but – um on a on a less on a less depressing note i'm yeah. i'm so happy that we we met all 
all those virtual when next time you're in New York, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have an auntie niece day. We're gonna have a big sis little sis day. I need one. So honestly, I'm about to book a flight to New York. Come through. I'm here. I'm about to. Please. I'm I'm so glad I met you. I know. I'm literally so 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 glad that we that we connected and that we met and that you came on the show. I'm just like so excited for you. I'm so excited to see where your career goes next. I know that anything that you want to do, you're going to fucking do it that much. I can say so I'm really, really excited for you. I'm also excited for you to launch your podcast. So guys, yes. let me plug no- that real quick. Yes, please plug. The hot girl handbook is the name of my podcast by Maya Abdallah it is available everywhere that you receive your podcasts. Um, it's about mental health advice. Um, I actually have a um, form in my bio on Instagram at maya.abdullah where you can comment things that you need advice on and you have a chance to be featured on the podcast and it might be po- talked about on the podcast. So definitely check it there. And thank you guys so much for listening to me. That's so exciting. So wait, is it when is it launching or has it already launched? So... It, the first episode will be coming out this week. Okay. So this episode is coming out, I can tell, I believe it's coming out. It's coming out on the 17th. So this episode will be out on the 17th. Will your podcast be out by the 17th? No, but okay. eventually. Okay. So guys, so just, just fucking follow Maya on TikTok. Follow her on yeah. social and she'll make the announcement. Uh, follow her yeah. on Instagram. You will find Please. out when the Hot Girl Handbook is going to be out. Um, yes. I'm, I'm really excited to hear it. I like, as soon as she told me the idea, I started searching on iTunes the other day and then she was like, Oh, it's, Thank it's you. not, it's not there yet. And I was like, Oh, yes, it is not there yet, but it is coming. I promise you guys, it'll be worth the wait. It will be. And you will see Noor on my podcast too. Hopefully. I'm so honored and excited to be a guest on the hot girl handbook. Cause I'm just like, I am a hot girl and I have thoughts. Exactly. So let's fucking go. Exactly exactly um but thank you so much for coming on the show maya as always you guys um i'm gonna have all of her socials uh linked in the episode description you could follow the podcast on instagram at arab american cycle where you will see a beautiful photo of maya um and uh you could follow me on instagram at nor e where you know i'm just um showing baby sensory videos to my cats and you if you want more episodes subscribe to patreon there are three tiers, a lot of a lot of solo content, lots of juicy shit. And as always, guys, don't forget to floss your teeth, wear your sunscreen, don't be a fucking wear asshole. Your wear your retainer. Be nice to people. Be nice to people. All right. Well, on that note, talk to you guys next Sunday. Mwah.